Oh, buddy, thank you. Thank you. My name, my name is uh, uh, Chris R. And I'm a very grateful recovered alcoholic. I, uh, it's nice to see all these little faces in here too. I did a talk in England the other day and they were all pictures and there's nothing wrong with just pictures. You know, you put your little, little model picture up there and but, but I'm trying to talk to, you know, all these little models up there, a little inanimate. It was like, it was a little, little weird, but uh, I hope the pictures got something out of it. So this is, I still freaks me out every time I get on one of these. I'm flipping back through the pages, guys. And, and uh, you know, I've got some buddies on here and some guys I sponsors on here. I don't know how they found out I was going to be here, but it's, they're stalkers. You know, this is my friends. <laughs> they, it's so, just so nice. I, I hope I've said it and some of y'all hang up right now, but I, I hope after all this stupid virus stuff goes away that we still have some of this uh, to our disposal. Uh, these these, I didn't think any of this would ever work, you know, like, like, you know, 2001 when this came out in the fourth edition and they were talking about modem to modem and I raised, I mean, I remember my hair caught on fire, you know, that will never happen. You've got to have, you know, you've got to be in the same room and you've got, you know, we're making fun of it. And then here we are all these years later, uh, thank God for Zooms. Because I got to tell you, there's something about, you know, I, I got a guy that, I sponsor forever. He says, you know, you can't bond with people in Zooms. But yeah, I don't, I just, I disagree. I, I do it often. You know, I get to, to see the guys and it's just a great way to stay connected. And so I, um, I sure am glad to be here and get a chance to do this. And I haven't seen an airport in six months. That's the longest I've been out of an airport and, and all this in, in 30 years for heaven's sake. So my, uh, my AA birthday um, sober date is November 13th, 1987. If I don't do anything stupid in a couple of months, I'll have 33 years of sobriety. And, um, and folks, and a lot of y'all know my story. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time talking about it, but uh, I'm one of those guys that it took me seven years to finally get a 30-day chip, which means I was in and out doing a lot of the stuff that I see so many people doing for a long time. I've got kind of a little special place in my heart for, for little relapsers. And uh uh, my twin brother, I took him to his first meeting. My, my was my home group in Louisville, Texas. And I took him to his first meeting. He picked up one desire chip. <laughs> Just, and I had a drawer full. You know, it's the difference. You know, people, I heard a guy in a meeting one time say, he said, you know, when you're ready to stay sober, it doesn't matter where you end up or what, who, if you get a sponsor or not, you're going to stay sober. And I'm going to say, guys, that is not my experience. And then, you know, it's part of my story. And I, my twin brother and I, all of us, we grew up here in the hill country. We started drinking when I was about 17 and, and a bottle of Boone's Farm apple wine. And uh, uh, I couldn't wait to get out of this little, little hick town and, and uh, moved to Houston with my brother and got a job in a big old, big old kitchen and a big hotel. And uh, I, was gonna, I was a professional chef for years and, uh, and, and did really well, guys. Did a lot, had a long, successful career. I was not blacking out. I was not robbing liquor stores. But I was drinking too damn much, and that's that was a fact, and it started affecting my life. And uh, I got married uh, in Houston and moved up to North Texas. And again, everything on the outside looks pretty good. I bought a little house, and and um, you know, just I got a, a pretty cool job, a, a chance to buy into this little restaurant. And, and uh, you know, I'm pretty young, guys. I'm in my late twenties, and I came home one night with a pushing match, and. And I uh, had an argument with my wife, don't even remember what it was, but I, I, 
after she let me come back in the house. Uh, I apologized for drinking. I was also doing some of those nasty outside issues and I told her about those and uh, you know, it was one of the conversations is it was real simple. Chris, if you wanna stay married, you're gonna have to stop doing all this crap. And uh, I made a promise that I would and I meant it with every fiber in my body. Uh, I, um, I was not digging drinking anymore, guys. I was not doing the, the other stuff. I was not a happy camper. If, uh, if uh, alcohol still did for me what it did for me at 17, 18, 19 years old, I, I would still be doing it. Uh, it's, it stops after a while. There's a great line in the book. I always talk about it. It's on 152. It says, we can't we're going to get to a place where we can't imagine life living with it, and we can't imagine life living without it. Then we're going to know loneliness like few do. I mean, our family members just think we're crazy. Hey, if you're so miserable, quit. Good idea. I'm, I'm going to do that. And, uh, and then you find out you can't quit. I can stop for short periods of time, but, you know, my MO is the same as a lot of y'all in there. I know, I, you know, I set the booze down and almost instantly I start getting uncomfortable inside. And uh, two weeks later, I'm contemplating suicide sober. And, I, I mean, I hate who I am. And, uh so I take a drink and it starts the cycle again, but you know, at least I start feeling better. And uh, our, like I said, our families don't really understand that. But I, uh, I'm working for my twin brother. I can't cook anymore. This was in 1987. I'm 35 years old. And um, I, uh, I've spent a bunch of years after I promised that girl I'd quit. I went to Alcoholics Anonymous and, and uh, nicest people on earth. I don't want anybody to think that I'm ever knocking those people up there in North Texas. They were sweethearts. Uh, they just, they just wasn't a lot of discussion about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We didn't spend much time talking about this. We were, we were talking about, you know, we always laugh about dead cat meetings. I know some of y'all like those meetings, but, um, if you're an alcoholic, you're not going to stay sober in that meeting. Just, just I better shut up right there. I, I, I think it's important. Another good reason for sponsorship, guys. I mean, I need to talk about my life. I need to talk about what's going on. But, you know, I don't need to also, you know, spend trying to get all my therapy sitting in an AA meeting. But anyway, that's what those meetings up in North Texas were. And I went until I couldn't stand it and I left. And, and uh, I'm seeing a counselor and a therapist and I went to IOP and, and uh, I'm on a whole bunch of medications by, uh, from uh, doctor prescribed medications. I'm not out doctor shopping. These are all, I'm a very sensitive young man. I very, <laughs> I've got lots of psychiatric disorders. It turned out it was all untreated alcoholism, but what the hell, every time you get another diagnosis, you get another pill pretty cool. And, uh, except I'm dying from taking all these pills and uh, not knocking medication folks. I'm just saying it ain't going to fix alcoholism. And then that at the end of the day was the, my problem. Uh, but in 1987, I, uh, it was, uh, cold November night. I tried to commit suicide in a little apartment by myself and I'm just, I've picked up a stack of return checks and I'm in trouble and I'm going to have to go to my sister-in-law and love her to death and borrow some more money so I can cover the hot checks I've written. And again, guys, I'm 35 and I got nothing. You know, I'm just, I just, I'm living from paycheck to paycheck and I'm working at a job I'm no good at. And, and I'm, I'm just, you know, thank God for family or I'd have been living on the street, but I, uh, uh, I'm just alone and I'm tired and I just, you know, took a bunch of pills and, and aborted that attempt 
about 20 minutes later, and I believe God intervened on my skinny little butt, but I made a commitment that I was going to go back to AA and I was going to try it one more time. I have no idea why, because I'd already made a commitment that I was never going back to AA. If I have to listen to you tell your stupid war story one more time, I'm going to shoot myself. And um, But I promised I would, and so the next day I, I uh, I'd gone to a doctor to start detoxing, and uh, I went to a meeting that night I'd never been to before up in North Texas. And uh, those guys uh, saved my life, folks. And, uh, you know, I won't belabor it, but I walked in a room and some people stopped me from leaving. And, and uh, the chairperson took charge of the meeting and, and uh, <clears throat> basically asked them to share with me um, how their lives had changed as a result of working the steps. And I've been going to meetings for seven years, guys, and I never heard that as a topic. If you're, if you're a newcomer coming back in from a relapse, they will do, they will do an ID meeting. Let's tell Chris how we got here. And I, they've done it a thousand times. Y'all may do it at your group. But it drives me crazy because if that's all we do, then we're not helping much of anybody. You're not going to scare an alcoholic into recovery. Okay? And let me just tell you real quick, because these old guys got me after the meeting at I just need to tell you that at that table, they went around and they shared the hope with me. And I, I, I they talked about getting a bit, starting a little business and they talked about buying a little car and, and a guy next to me had a little billfold with a bunch of pictures of his kids in there. And, you know, and he got married in AA and had a bunch of little rat kids. And he was just, it was just, he was tears in his eyes. He, his, his life had just been transformed. And lady at the end of the table had gone back to art school and, and she, you know, Guys, those people gave me the one thing that I needed more than anything. They gave me hope. I get nasty emails from people every once in a while. You think every AA meeting ought to be a, a gratitude meeting? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. We might do more good with our membership if we were doing that and spending less time trying to scare the little newcomer into recovery by telling them how many drunk driving charges we had. Nobody ever believes that they're ever going to have any of that stuff that you're talking about. Yeah ever. You are not going to scare an alcoholic into recovery. You might scare them into treatment. Keep it up. But you're not going to get them into recovery. And uh, those people changed my life. End of the meeting, I left. I was getting my coffee together and uh, I didn't own a big book. There was nothing of that to pick up. I managed to go to AA for seven years and didn't, didn't have a big book. And uh, I uh, got nuts. And these two old guys stopped me on the way out the door and they sat down with me for a minute, asked me to sit and they qualified me that night. They opened the big book and they showed me that circle triangle in the front of the book. And they said, Chris, let's find out why you can't stay sober. And for the first time, one alcoholic grabbed hold of another alcoholic and they showed me what it was to be an alcoholic. Those two guys, long dead guys, they passed away, but I got to tell you, they saved my life. They didn't pat me on the butt and tell me to keep coming back. They, they said, no, this is, you're driving us crazy. You know, you're, you're going to die. Just sit with us a minute. That talk didn't take 20, 25 minutes at the most. And it changed everything in my life. I drove home that night knowing that I was an alcoholic. I called myself an alcoholic for seven years. I didn't even believe it than the man in the moon. Because every time you tell another stupid, scary story, I let myself off the hook. Can y'all relate to that? I mean, it's, I don't have a drunk driving charge. I'm not getting arrested. You know, I'm not, I don't piss my pants in public. What, what are you talking about? What? Just saying. I uh, came back the next day 
ex kind of excited because these old guys said, Chris, you could recover from alcoholism. And if you'll come in with us, we'll get you a sponsor and we'll start you through this work and uh, your life will change forever. And I started some crap about, you know, I'm more complicated than that. This may take time. I've been sitting in meetings forever, guys, where people were telling me, this is not a race. Now, first thing on sponsorship that I'm going to say for this lovely little podium in my office is, it is a race. Just read the book, guys. I'm just, I'm coming out of this. The big book says, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. That does not translate to take your time. Just throw that out there. Some of these other little fellowships out there that tell their people just, you know, you, we're going to take a year to work the steps. That's why we have so many people dying in our rooms. See, there's no human can relieve what's wrong with me. I got to have this thing called a spiritual experience. Anyway, the next day, these guys got me busy and uh, we went in the back room and did a third step prayer. They gave me a little notebook and they started talking to me. She gave me some information on how to start a fourth step. And uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, that same weekend, they had me doing a little service work around the club. And uh, those guys saved my life, guys. Forever and ever, people were, were, have, have lovingly tried to help me by letting me sit on my butt and do nothing. You're the most important person here. You just keep coming back. Everything will be okay. But you see, guys, unless you find a job in Alcoholics Anonymous, you are not going to stay sober. We're going to spend some time talking about that in here. And uh, I'll, i got to tell you real quick. Two weeks later, there was their group conscience. It was the end of uh, November uh, up in North Texas at that home group. And uh, at that group conscience, they nominated me for uh, cleanup chairman. And, uh, and I begrudgingly accepted the nomination. And then I found out that there was no committee. I was going to be the chairman of the committee, right? An executive. And uh, that was none of that crap. As I was the cleanup committee. And it was my responsibility to clean that dump of a club. And uh, I grinded my teeth and went in there. And I got to tell you guys, th this changed everything. I went in one afternoon about one o'clock to clean that club like a big boy. I've been in the food business. I know a lot about cleaning club and uh, set those chairs up just perfect. And just, I mean, the place was shining. Those coffee pots with all that crap in there got, yeah, cleaned all that stuff up. And matriarch of the group came in about 5.30 to start making coffee for the, for the meeting at 6. And I was already made the coffee. And I was sitting in the other room. And she looked around the door and she said, did you clean this place? And I sat back up a little bit and said, yes, ma'am. And she walked around behind me and she's just gasping. She's just like, oh, my God. And she gave me a little, little back hug around my neck, a little skinny arm. She was about 140 years old. I know she was. And I just, I'll never forget her. God love her. And she just said, you know, buddy, we need you here. Never forget it. Guys, three weeks earlier, I tried to commit suicide because I felt like nobody needed me. And I got this little lady sitting there telling me that they needed me. I'm going to cut to the chase and tell you right now, we got 92 wonderful people in this little gathering so far right now. And I'm going to tell you right now, we need every person in this room every person in this gathering to help because I got to tell you this COVID stuff, you should see the tidal wave coming out of treatment. Every treatment center in the country is full right now. People out there isolating, doing the one thing that we're not supposed to do and they're all coming out and they're going to hit the trenches with us and, and we're going to have to have some people to help them. And uh, let's don't forget how to do that. I, uh, 
I realize talking specifically about sponsorship that there's a lot of people out there that do it differently and I am absolutely not going to be critical of anybody out there. If any of y'all are sitting in, in a room and your sponsor sitting next to you and I say something that they disagree with, they're right and I'm wrong, okay? Because I don't want to get in the middle of that nonsense. It's just okay. If they want you to take your time, then, then okay. I put my number on that chat room. Call me later so we can visit. <laughs> maybe, maybe I can help you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If you look at um, the history, I'm a, I'm a big, big history buff too. And you know, any of this stuff that I mentioned, because I don't have a slideshow, I'm not that technical. One of these days, I'm going to get one of my sponsees to show me how to do that, uh, Derek. But I'm, you know, one of these days, but I'm, I can send you any of that in my email. I can send you any of the stuff that we talk about email wise and I'm, I'm an emailing fool, but uh, the history sites out there all talk about, and a lot of the AA literature that talks about Bill Wilson's uh, uh, journey into sobriety, a, a little guy named Eddie, two months sober, the book says, went and ended up doing a little 12 step call. I mean, he didn't know that's what it was, but tried to help Bill. Bill ends up in treatment on his third day detox. Uh, Eddie comes back in there and brings him a couple of books to read, uh, philosophy, uh, William James, uh, Varieties of the Religious Experience is one of the books, and he starts working this spiritual program with him. They do a prayer, they do an inventory, and Bill Wilson on his ninth day in town's hospital is writing a men's letters from the hospital when he has his barn-burning spiritual experience that, that he writes about in the big book. I mean, you can split hairs with the details all you want to, guys. Bill Wilson gets out of treatment and immediately starts coming back into Towns Hospital working with alcoholics. Yeah. He's, in, he's in Towns, uh, what, excuse me, the Mayflower Hotel. If any of y'all get a chance to go to Akron, man, check it out. Mayflower, it's, uh, they've renovated it now, but you can still go in there. You sit in the same lobby where Bill Wilson came out and had to make a decision. I'm going to go to the bar and drink, or I'm going to go find a drunk to work with. And one of the lines Bill says, he says, I knew I needed another alcoholic as much as that alcoholic could ever need me. And he goes and finds Dr. Bob, hook and crook by a few phone calls and got all over it, ends up with Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob gets sober, and they went and found number three, and number four, and there's millions of us today because people gave a poot about the newcomer. It is not optional whether we're going to work with others. Bill Wilson wrote it, Language of the Heart, and he's, it comes from a Grapevine article originally in 1948, excuse me, 58. Sobriety, freedom from alcohol through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps is the sole purpose of an AA group. Groups have re repeatedly tried other activities and have always failed. Did y'all get it? I mean, the, the fifth tradition tells us what we're supposed to be doing, guys. Our primary purpose, to carry that message to the alcoholic who's still suffering. I'm not saying that we can't help a newcomer in a multitude of other ways. I helped a little guy move last week. That's not in my, I mean, that's as, as a human being, I'm going to try to help that person do that. My responsibility is to do exactly what we just read. I got to make sure they have enough evidence, yeah, to understand what this is about. Bill, in, in 1942, uh, a lot of y'all, I know some of y'all in here got these little stickers because I've printed them for years. Uh, these little stickers, an excerpt from a letter in 19, uh, Bill Wilson wrote, it's in Asville Season if you want to check it out, but the little, the little uh, excerpt says from the letter, our chief responsibility to the newcomer is an adequate presentation of the program. Guys, if everybody would remember that, I mean, if I ever get a tattoo, it may be that. 
on my ass, you know, just so I remember. I don't know. I've never had a tattoo. I look at some of y'all, y'all got tattoos. It's not fair. I just turned 67 years old. I got no tattoos. God, I am the uncoolest person in this gathering. It's just not fair. I don't know. I may get that tattoo on my arm, something. Our chief responsibility. Guys, nobody up in North Texas in those years that I was in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous, there wasn't one of those people up there that was trying to harm me in any possible way. They were the wonderful people. But they did not give me an adequate presentation of the program. Could I have asked? Yeah. But let's get something straight, guys, because some of y'all have heard me talk about this before. I don't know why we assume that the newcomer will know the questions to ask. I heard an old bastard in the meeting one time talk about it. Well, when the newcomer's ready, he'll know it. Okay, guys, I'm coming back in from one more debacle. I am busted. I am over there in the corner with snot hanging out my nose about this far. Y'all follow? I am miserable. I want it. I want to change life. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. God, help us. I came back for seven years. And it wasn't until 1987 that these two old geezers after that meeting stopped me at the door, sat down, took time out of their busy day and sat down with me and showed me what was in this book. Uh, guys, I gotta tell you, two weeks after those guys did that, I'm sitting on the tailgate of my truck. I've got a completed four step ready to do a fifth step and the obsession to use lifted. Has, and I noticed I was, that I was surrounded by liquor stores and there was, there was not a, a, anything in me that wanted to go use. Guys, that was all those years ago and I haven't thought about taking a drink since. I, I didn't want to stay sober anymore in 1987 than I did in 1982 when I was trying to save that marriage. Can y'all relate? I mean, you've got to take some action, but you're not going to take that action unless you're convinced you're really one of us. Harry Tebow says you're going to hit a thousand bottoms, but unless you hit, unless you surrender at one of those bottoms, you're just going to keep hitting bottoms. Like every one of them, lots of us have done. I watch people come back and go in and out of treatment a gazillion times. What? They hit another bottom, they go back to treatment. Yeah, they don't do this work. They're going to hit another bottom and they're going to go back to drinking. Sooner or later, you're going to have to open the big book and actually do the work. And the sooner we get it done, the better it's going to be. Your, your, your life will change forever. On page, uh, Bill Wilson says, uh, on bottom of page 14, top of page 15 in your books, uh, Eddie's, he's, Bill Wilson's talking about Eddie that, that 12 stepped him. It's up in that story. He said, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he'd worked with me. Y'all look up imperative. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he didn't work, he would surely drink again. If he drinks, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. Did y'all get it? Maybe I misread it. Unless the alcoholic goes to 90 meetings in 90 days, he's, no shit, it didn't say that, did it? Sorry about the sarcasm, guys. I'm about done. If I could do this like this and get rid of one thing in Alcoholics Anonymous, it would be, that phrase would be deleted from our vocabulary.
Nowhere in the big book does it say you have to go to a meeting every day to stay sober. And if you do, I suggest you get a life. There's other things that you might want to be doing. I just, I'm going to throw it out there, guys. You can get mad if you want to. I just, I watch people relapse around that nonstop. Nonstop. Not the first time they miss the, the 60th meeting, their sponsor makes them start over again. It's like, oh my God, really? And they relapse and says, I can't even do that. We're setting people up for failure when we do that. So I could talk about that for an hour, but I'm not. I just, that's the one thing I'd get rid of. Anyway, Bill Wilson talks about it several places other in the, in the big book. There's a place back in working with other, I mean, uh, uh, chapter of the employers, and there's a place in Jim's story where it talked Jim, the car salesman, where he failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life. That means he didn't, he didn't work with others, guys. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Bill Wilson on page 129 in the back of the book, it says, it says, in those first days of convalescence, nothing will so much ensure your immunity from sobriety, I'll paraphrase, than intensive work with another alcoholic. In those first days of convalescence, guys, that means when you're, when you're new. I don't know what to tell you. 123 places in the first 88, it says, go help others. It talks about it more than anything. But yet, we still got people out there, guys, and I'm not being critical of them. I'm just any way they want. But they're still out there telling people, you know, you can't sponsor to your sober a period of time. See, what saved my life was that these old guys didn't ever tell me what I couldn't do. They started telling me what I could do. And they got excited about me getting busy in the trench with them, helping me carry, carry the message. They showed me how, guys. They didn't just go, here, go sponsor. They said, Chris, go get you this guy, and we'll show you how to do it. If you get in over your head, come find us and, we'll, and let, we'll help you with this. Those men and women in that group just showed me how to do the steps. They showed me how to sponsor. God, I can't, you can't go do a talk like this in public without some of these guys coming up. And Well, you know, at our home group, we don't let, yeah. I did a, a talk down in New Orleans one time in this big old mountain of a guy. He was way too big for me to whip. So I, I just smiled and shook my head. But he said, you know, in New Orleans, nobody can sponsor till they're five years sober. Five years sober. Wow, really? But you see, in my life, nobody that I know of can stay sober if they wait and don't sponsor. I was just reading a little study that some of these, uh, these folks did uh, about uh, IV drug users um, in, uh, what is it, 2001 when they did this study. They did uh, this study of people that had sponsors and how many people stayed sober and, the pe and how many people sponsored and how many paid stayed sober. And the ones that were sponsoring, they were staying sober. An unbelievably higher number were staying sober than the ones that just had a sponsor. Having a sponsor is important, but sponsoring is even more important. And a lot of people don't want to do it because they're afraid they're going to hurt somebody. You follow? Yeah. I mean, I'll say it, guys. This is a train wreck already. You, 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 can't, you can't hurt. If you can go with this idea about sponsorship, folks, and this is what this whole talk is about, guys. Basically, it's this. I want to try to become a better sponsor. I want to be a better AA member now than, than I was five years ago. I want to be a better sponsor now than, than I was, you know, last year. I, I, I want to continue to improve. And so we, we have to look at it. The, this second hour that we're going to talk in, I'm, I'm talking about this willing to go to any link stuff. And this, these pitfalls that I watch all of my sponsees, seems like every single one of them walk into the same abyss. And so if we could look at some of, some of the, the, you know, the landmines that are out there, we can maybe, hop, you know, stop them from walking into the same, the same mess.
ion. This is article, and I will absolutely send it to you. Uh, it's an old grapevine article called The Dilemma of No Faith. Bill Wilson wrote it in 1961. This was 10 years before Bill Wilson passed away. And uh, he wrote several articles. This, that particular article is, is good. It also talks about some of his battles with depression. Uh, but one of the things he said in there, he said, though 300,000 did recover in the last 25 years, maybe a half million more have walked into our midst and then out again. No doubt some were too sick to make even a start. Others couldn't or wouldn't admit their alcoholism. Still others couldn't face up to their underlying personality defects. Numbers departed for, yet, uh, for still other reasons. Yet we can't well contend ourselves with the view that all of these recovery failures were entirely the fault of the newcomer themselves. Perhaps a great many didn't receive the kind of amount of sponsorship they so sorely needed. So we didn't communicate when we might have done so. So we AAs failed them. I mean, you can say what you want, about Bill Wilson, but I gotta tell you, this guy was pretty humble when he was writing this stuff. He never once got in there and said that this is the only solution, but he said, I'm gonna repeat it. Nobody up in North Texas was trying to hurt me, but nobody wanted to help take some responsibility for whether I, I heard the solution or not. See guys, I don't know if this guy that I'm working with is gonna stay sober. I don't know, but my job is to make sure that he has that adequate presentation. Adequate presentation means does he know what he needs to do in order to have a spiritual experience? If he doesn't want to play, all, all hands off, back up. I don't chase drunks, and neither should we. Bill Wilson was pretty clear about it. Our effectiveness is kind of diminished when we spend all of our time chasing somebody that doesn't want to be chased doesn't want to play. But guys, if you've got a willing person that wants to stay sober, let's, it, it's our responsibility to kind of show them, I believe, what this is about. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say something that y'all are free to disagree with. Nowhere in the big book does it say that we read the book to the newcomer. I hear a lot of people about that. One of the reasons that some of you in this gathering won't sponsor is because you don't have the time to sit and read the book with them. Neither do I. Full-time job, guys. I, I, I don't have, if you're doing it that way, that's fine. But guys, the urgency to finish this work is, is paramount. One of my problems with treatment centers, I work in the industry, I love treatment centers, but you know, they have a tendency to remove all the urgency to finish this work, get them on some solid ground a little bit and push them out of the nest. But unless we got some little AA guys that are going to catch them when they come out of that nest, they're not staying sober. I do the statistical work at the facility where I work, guys. They're dropping like flies. Doesn't matter who wants to stay sober, who needs to. They just, we got to show them how to do the work. And these, you can cherry pick this Guys, you can walk right through it and get them through that work pretty quick. Nobody in the early days of Alcoholics Anonymous, guys, and I got all the history sites I, I can send to you, nobody took longer than a few weeks to work the steps. This utter crap of telling people that this is going to take a year or six months is, is just is nuts. And you don't have time to mess with it, and they don't have time to mess with it either. It's life and death for them. Again, I can't keep them knucklehead sober. God can keep them sober. My job is just to help them have the spiritual experience. There's nothing etched in stone, guys. You know, Wally P talks about, you know, the back to basics. They do you know, a few, you know, one-hour sessions. I, that's a great, I mean, I know a lot of people that are sold on that. And I, there's a lot of the old timers, archivally, you, you read it, they, that's what they did. Um, 
I just think we can get this, this job done a, a heck of a lot quicker. Sponsorship out there, guys, kind of divides up between two little, two little factions. There's this dictatorial sponsor, and then this completely ineffectual sponsor. Can, can y'all, some of y'all relate to that? You got that dictatorial. I want you to call me every morning and I want you to call me six times at least a day. You know, I don't want you to wear that blue shirt ever again. And it's like, what, what the, okay. And then down at this end, you've got that, keep coming back. It works if you work, y'all. The guy comes in and he's shaking and he says, I gotta have some help, can you sponsor me? Absolutely. Listen, I'm gonna be at the meeting next Wednesday night and we'll meet and we'll talk, okay? And then you get in your Cadillac and drive off and he's sitting there at the front of the club scratching. He ain't got a chance to stay sober. Y'all see, it's triage. We need to get them and get, and get them on some solid ground. Guys, early on, it's hard. To, it's, it, it's a little time consuming early on. I agree. That's why I can do like one or two sponsees at a time. I sponsor a sea of guys, all right? I've got them through the work. They're sober. They're kicking butt. They call and check in. They 10-step with me. Um, they send me pictures of their kids. Oh, my God. It's just it's the bomb, you know? Uh, but just current, early on, new sponsees, you, you're, you're not going to be able to sponsor too many at one time. There's a four step involved. There's you know fifth step. There's just you know there. It's a little time consuming, but so if you can't and you're in a position where you can't sponsor it now, that I understand that. But I think everybody out there, um, I sponsor some old guys out there that have never sponsored anybody, and it's like, is it anyone? And I wonder you you've had a struggle staying sober. That you just you you got to be able to do it. In order to find a sponsor real quick to cut to that chase, you can ask some questions. I think it's so funny in AA. We, we spend more time shopping for a, a microwave than we do looking for a sponsor. You know, I, I'd go into a meeting and I'm looking for the guy that's got a fancy car and a nice suit of clothes. That's who I want to sponsor me. You know, and my sponsor, Mark, used to say, Chris, why don't you ask somebody the question that you need to ask is really simple. Have you had a spiritual experience as a result of working the steps? Buddy, this is a game changer. Any of y'all in there that are looking for a sponsor, ask them that question, okay? Because I got to tell you, you're going to get exactly two responses. One, they're going to go, well, let's don't get too spiritual about this. And they're going to start backing up from you like a little crab. You know, they're just going to, they're going to scurry back as far away from you as you can. It's like you ask him a, 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 all I did was ask you if you had a spiritual experience, buddy. And if, and they're, if they're backing up, you, you leave them alone. The other response, the guy will go, what, where did you hear that? Oh, absolutely, I've had a spiritual experience. Come on, you've got a good one. And I don't care if they're a businessman, I don't care if they're just, if you have similarities, that will be nice. What I care about is do they know what's in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? Have they actually worked the steps or are they just talking about something they don't know nothing about? AA is absolutely chock block full of people that don't know what they're talking about, but insist on talking about it anyway. Y'all ever been to a four-step meeting? Yeah, we're going to talk about the four-step and the second person that shares. Well, my name is Chris and I'm an alcoholic. I'm a recovering alcoholic. They always say that. And I've never actually done a four-step, but now they're going to talk 15 minutes about something they don't know nothing about. <laughs> you know, we got a little bell ringer in our group and we'll ring the little bell on. It just ding, 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 excuse me. Time out, buddy. Next. <laughs> we'll go on. Do they get their little feelings hurt? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
and then they laugh at themselves and they come back and they don't do it anymore. It's pretty cool. So find somebody that's actually had experience with sponsorship and you're going to do a lot better. And, uh, and I got to tell you this, cause I just had a conversation with a guy earlier. It is absolutely okay to fire a sponsor guys. I've seen it a thousand times when men and women will act absolutely outgrow spiritually their sponsor. They're active. They want to learn more. They want to grow a little bit deeper. And, and, and it's, it's just okay to do that. You know, I call my sponsor three times and she never called me back. Find another sponsor now. That's nuts. Women seems to have a tougher time with this than guys. I just anecdotally, just watching it, you know, my wife sponsors, you know, half the women in the world, I think. And, you know, and, and, and she sees it all the time. Well, I don't want to hurt her feelings, but you see guys, we're going to die. I can't, I can't live off a spiritual experience I had 32 years ago. I want to live off a, a current experience, a current, I want to get excited about my life currently with doing the work. I don't want to keep how many of y'all have sat in meetings and just watch these old guys and they've been sober forever and you just don't want to go next, get next to them with a lit cigarette because they might, might you know, just implode, you know, just because you know, they're so damn dry. I don't, I don't want to do that, guys. That rigidity, that, that old grumpy bastard. I don't want to be that person. Buddy, I want to enjoy what, what little life I got left. Good gosh, I want to be happy. And if I'm working with somebody that can't pull me along and show me a, a, the, where the path continues to be, I need to find somebody else to do it. And I, I just think it's important that we do that. The other thing I'm going to mention real quick, and uh, not, I don't want to step on anybody, because uh, you can do this any way you want. I find it less problematic if men will have men sponsors and women will have women sponsors. I know some of y'all in this group, with this many people we got in the room, I know some of you women have men sponsors. And I, I think there's some of those relationships that work out just great, just super. I have seen so many disasters happen around that that you can shake a stick at. I'm just, I'll throw it out there to you. Just be careful with it. All right. I've seen, I can't tell you how many dozens and dozens of divorces I've seen over that. Everything goes well until the girl gets drunk until she has a relapse and then the shit hits the fan. Yeah. It's all your fault. You were inappropriate. You did this and you did. I just like, Oh man, here we go. And uh, the other main reason though, I'm just going to say it is I never knew a woman yet. that couldn't pull the wool over my eyes. I'm a sucker. All you got to do, all Kitty's got to do is start crying and I'll back up. Never mind. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. I'll do your four step for you. Don't worry about it, honey. It's not that big a deal. Back up. <laughs> like, that's the way it is. I, that's me. So, but you can go ahead and do it. If I do workshops out there, I'll have them lined up on the podium after I say that. Well, I've had a same sponsor, man sponsor for 20 years. Good for you. Rock on. One of the hardest things I do out there at work and in my personal life in Alcoholics Anonymous is to help women find women sponsors. And there's a lot of women out there that don't know how to sponsor because they've never sponsored because the same old bastard in the group is sponsoring everybody. Women learn to sponsor by sponsoring. And if we won't allow them to get the chance to do that, because the pooba is sponsoring everybody, I think it's wrong. And some of y'all are shaking your head and some of y'all are nodding your head and that's okay. You know, we're free to agree or disagree. I just, it gets kind of nasty. If, um, before we take a little break, I'll mention, uh, 
somebody was talking in one of these groups the other night about the sponsors and, and the guy uh, had made a clear point. He says, if you're sponsoring more than, um, if you're sponsoring more than three guys, your, your ego's involved and you know, it's too many. And um, God, that's just it's shocking. Uh, if you would sponsor more, I wouldn't have to sponsor so many. I'll throw that out there. Okay. Documented Dr. Bob sponsored over 5,000 alcoholics in his 15 years of sobriety. He sponsored 5,000 guys. Guys, he didn't sponsor like some of y'all have been sponsored. Some of y'all in this group sponsor like this. I think the word is we, we take them on to raise. Nowhere in the book, in fact, Bill Wilson argues against it in, in working with others. Uh, the only chapter in there, that, Steph, that's got its own chapter, he's it, stuck specifically about not taking these people on to raise. I don't want to foster dependence on me instead of dependence on God. But if I'm doing everything for you, then you're going to start depending on me. Y'all, yeah. I used to call Mark, and Mark would say, have you prayed about this yet? And I said, no, I'm called you. Click in a dial tone. You know, and then he'd call me back laughing. He said, that's what you're going to get every time. Okay, stop. I don't know. You know, pray about it first and then call me. Because ultimately, guys, we're supposed to get the guidance that we want from God. And yes, sometimes God speaks to us through our sponsors. It's okay. We can do this. But guys, so I don't get in there and play junior therapist with the people I sponsor. There was a guy called me last night that I worked with for a period of time, and uh, I'm, I'm, I hear the tone in his voice, and I hear what he's saying, and this guy is absolutely 100% suicidal. He is a, not in a good place, and he wants me to talk him off the cliff, and I got him right then and there connected to a therapist that I know, a trained professional that can help that kid. There may be some medical stuff involved. I, I don't know, but I'm going to be there for support until the day I die. I am not a therapist. I am not a banker. I am not a lawyer. I am a fashion sponsor though. I, I just need to tell you. I have to redress some of the guys I sponsor. What are you doing? Okay. I had this guy come up and spot, try to tear a meeting the other night. He was wearing cutoffs so short you could see his, his butt hanging out of the bottom. And he had a pot shirt on, a, a T-shirt with a pot leaf on the front. And he's going to chair my AA meeting. No, no, he's not. <laughs> we, had to, we had to get down and get in the middle of that one really quick. <laughs> I just... I think what we can absolutely guarantee to do is, is uh, get real clear on the fact before I let us go take a quick break is that I am so blessed and I am sober today because of all the guys I've had the opportunity to sponsor. It's a lonely place up here, guys. And I got to tell you, uh, loneliness and self-pity kills more alcoholics than anything else. But if you happen to get in one of these lonely spots and full of self-pity, you go find your little knucklehead. I guarantee it never fails with God. I'll get in a little, little dark spot somewhere in my life like that. And all of a sudden, I'll be looking down the phone and there's Derek. He's calling me on the phone. It's like, okay, buddy, here we go. And I'll pick it up and I'll call him like, and pretty soon we're talking about all the coolest stuff in the world and we're laughing our butts off. And I don't know if I've helped him at all, but when I hang up the phone, I am, books talks about being strangely lifted up. I'm, 
that's how it works, guys. I need other alcoholics. This service piece is, is for real. We'll talk about it a little bit more in the next hour. But all right. The uh, the the old guys that got me, and they, of course they and they got me connected to another little guy that a little Indian guy. He's a, a little hit always what well, he was a hippie was what he was. He was a pipe carrier and and uh we were people who normally would not mix. And this is the guy that ended up sponsoring me for a while. And, and uh, you know, the whole idea was to get me through the work and bless his little heart. Uh, we didn't have Jack in common. And, um, and, um, and he, he helped save my life. The two things that the guy sat down with me that didn't take so long, I mean, like I said, 20, 25 minutes, they showed me in the front of the book, the physical craving and the mental obsession. Bill Wilson spends the first 60 pages talking about the first step, guys. He just... You know, the folks out there, you know, there's no more one step one more important than the other. But Bill Watt writes more about first step than he does any of the other. The next 11 steps are in the next 40 pages. And I mean, he, he, he wanted us to qualify ourselves so we know we're an alcoholic. Once you're convinced and there's no lurking notion that you're an alcoholic, you, you, you'll do whatever it takes to get well. And uh, I'm in AA for all those years and nobody ever qualified me. But they showed me in the first Doctor's opinion up to page 23, talking about the physical craving, what happens when I put alcohol in my system. And from 23 to 43, why is it that when I get detox, when I get all this stuff out of my system, why can't I not put the first one back in my system? The mental insanity that separates us from normal drinkers. And um, that's what I was crying about on the way home that night. Is like, God, I, I, for the first time, I was, there was, I was absolutely convinced I knew I was an alcoholic. God dang, guys, if you got to have a fatal illness, at least I want to have one that you can recover from. And that was alcoholism. So bless them for taking the time. I wanted to mention, run through this stuff real quick, guys. Uh, it, it won't take long. Uh, I can send this little sheet to you because I use it with guys and when I sponsor and, and uh, especially the newcomers, the guys that I pick up and they've got 10 years of sobriety under their belt. A lot of this I'm going to discuss with them, but uh, most of those, uh, when I start sponsoring somebody that's had some sobriety under their belt and they're still sober, in other words, they're not coming back, uh, or even if they're coming back from a relapse, I'm looking at, at uh, a couple of things I'm going to talk about. But uh, the little newcomer, I want to make sure they understand, you know, in, 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 uh, in the how it works in that first paragraph up there, first and second, where it talks about the honesty piece, but it talks about if you're willing to go to any length. And the problem is we don't ever talk about that with a newcomer. Everybody, I've never asked anybody, are you willing to go to any length to stay sober? I've never had anybody ever say no. Everybody says yes. But you see, we don't ever talk, most of us don't ever talk to the newcomer about what that entails. And this is what my idea of willing to go to any length looks like. So we can try to help some of these little guys get on the same page. Guys that I work with, guys, regardless, if they're willing to do this, uh, I'm going to ask them to be qualified quickly. Uh, you know, I hear people in AA all the time, well, we don't get here by mistake. There's a lot of people that get to Alcoholics Anonymous by mistake. You know, you go to a treatment, I got to tell you, I don't care what you, what you do, you're going to get shoved into Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just trying to say, folks, there's a lot of people in AA that are not alcoholics. Not of the real, real alcoholic that Bill Wilson's talking about. But you see, it's not my job to judge those people. If they say they're an alcoholic, it's okay. But you guys understand, Bill Wilson spends those pages 
about qualifying the alcoholic because he wants us to see without a without any lurking notion in our back of our heads if we are really alcoholics or not. The other deal too is that if I sit down with a little newcomer and I'm talking to him and he can't answer the questions around choice and control around alcohol, but he can around drugs, I happen to know a whole bunch of other really good little fellowships that he might be really happy at. My job is to be helpful and I'm not helping him if he's not an alcoholic, but I'm letting him hang out in AA. He's welcome, but he's not, he's going to get bored with this. He needs to be, guys, I also go to a little fellowship called Drug Addicts Anonymous. Love that little fellowship. It's a bunch of little dope fiends from hell. And it's just, it's so fun. I watched my little AA guys, a little guy sitting in my AA meeting, and they're all quiet, and they're nice, and they're paying attention, but they're not talking. And then I see them on a little Thursday night Drug Addicts Anonymous meeting, and these same little guys that I thought were sleeping in the back, or, or slinging the big book like evangelists, you know, I mean, they're, they're just, they found their peeps, you know, and they, they're in the right room because they feel useful. They feel like they can help. And that's part of our job is to help them get in the right room. So I'm going to sit down with a little newcomer after the meeting. He asked me if I can sponsor him. And I say, yes, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to sit, you know, tell Patty, I says, I'll meet you at home in about 30 minutes. I'll be, I'm going to sit with this guy for a minute and I'm going to qualify him right then and there. I'm not going to wait and make him wait till next week. He won't come back. I'm going to do it right then and there. So it's number one importance. I'm going to ask this little guy if he's willing to take the steps quickly. Guys, it's like triage. How can I put this? William White wrote this great little article called, called the Transformational Change, and uh, I can send it to you, but he, he talks about this little window of opportunity. The old timers call it a pink cloud. How many of y'all remember when you came to Alcoholics Anonymous or, and, and you come in and you, you start feeling good and everything's great, everything's just, you know, little sunbeams for Jesus, everything's just happy as it can be, and then all of a sudden the window starts closing, and, and all of a sudden you're irritable, restless, and discontent, and the, the door shuts, and you go, ah, you know, screw it. You know, the pain of staying so gradually outweighs the benefits in your mind and you say to hell with it and go drink okay we have to play a part in that in sponsorship because if we allow them to sit on their butt too long before we get them into the work that window will close that's why I get crazy around this 90 meetings and 90 day shit they're sitting in meetings thinking they're doing what they're supposed to be doing they're not nowhere in the book does it say do that it says work the steps that's what we're supposed to be trying to get them to do. And so I'd been picking up chips for years, guys. I'd come into the meetings, sit around the rooms, waiting to be offended. And then I would leave again, come back in three months later, try it again. They'll, they'll just come on, guys. You start working the steps, the obsession, the 10 step promises in the book where it says we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Those actually happen. I don't care what you go through, guys. I know some people in this gathering right here that have had really tough things happen to them in recovery. I'm talking to a girl last night that was on a meeting I was on. An hour later, she calls me and tells me they found her brother and he just hung himself. I talked to her this morning to check, see, she, she's still sober, she's still kicking. Y'all follow? She wants to die, but she doesn't want to drink. That's the promises in the book, folks. I'm just, the beauty of this is it doesn't have to be perfect in your world to stay sober. It can be really tough in your life in periods of time. And every one of us in here are going to go through times like that. But it, but it needs to start. We need to stop misleading the newcomer by telling them that sooner or later they're going to get this just by going to a bunch of meetings. So it's got to be, it's got to be quick. 
I'm going to ask the guys that I sponsor to go to some specific meetings early on. I'm going to ask them to go to literature-based meetings early on. Doesn't have to be my meetings, although I want to sit in a meeting with them at least once a week so I can see, I can see them. I can look at one of you and I can tell you in a heartbeat, you know, if I know you a little bit, especially, I can tell you if you're in a good spot or a bad spot. And it's easy for you to send me a text. All good here. Happy face. Yeah. I don't text. I'm not with my sponsee. No, no, call me and I can hear you. But if I can sit across the table from you, but I want you to be in literature-based meetings. I don't want you to go to open discussion meetings where you're going to spend an hour in there talking about some weird thing. All right, let's, let's, let's start getting meetings where we're all pushing the same direction. I'm going to ask you to make a home group one way or another. I'm going to have to get up. My guys, I sponsor a lot of guys that are alcoholic and addicts. They have, they have a home group in Drug Addicts Anonymous, and they have a home group or Narcotics Anonymous, but they also have a home group in AA. And uh, the guys in the big cities have trouble with it. Guys, I, 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 you end up having a tendency to go to a bunch of different meetings because it works with your schedule. I go to some new meetings over here. I go to some 6 o'clock meetings over here, drive time, and I go at 8 over on Saturday. But you see, nobody ever gets to know you because you're not a part of that group. I just see it all the time. Get to be a part of something and you'll stay. So, the guys I'm going to ask, if I'm going to work with them, I'm going to hopefully they're going to make my home group their home group so that we can, we can stay together. I'm going to ask my little guys to also focus on the big book until we get through the steps. I am not against the 12 and 12, but if you're doing reading the 12 and 12 and the big book at the same time, it'll confuse the daylights out of you. 12 and 12 was written by Tom Powers, he was written about, uh, um, what, 11 years after Bill Wilson wrote the big book, uh, all of these other thoughts, it is a beautiful book. A lot of other thoughts he had, it's, I am never knocking that, that 12 and 12. But if you're reading it at the same time you're reading the big book, the instructions in the book and the instructions in the 12 and 12 will confuse you, especially around the fourth step. So I ask my guys to just kind of stay focused in the big book until we can get you, uh, uh, get you through it. I'm going to ask, probably the hardest thing I'm going to ask my little guys to do is this one. I'm going to ask them to be completely honest. And I'm not going to ask them to be really honest like when we get to a fifth step. That's, that's a given, okay? But early on, working with this little knucklehead, I want, I, want to, I want to know what the hell is going on. And again, I'm not his counselor or therapist, but I think I need to know... Um, Bill Wilson and, and how it works, he talks about it, I guess, what, three times in that first paragraph? If you have the ability to be honest, you can stay sober. But you see, I've watched a lot of people in here that'll come into the program. I honestly want to stay sober, but I'm lying out my butt around my work job. Sex and checks, folks. Relationships, y'all follow? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing goofy stuff over here. Uh, but you see, <laughs> when my insides don't match my outsides, there's going to be conflict. And I watch a lot of people relapse around that. It's, it's, it's just really important. Uh, medication. I can't tell you how many people I know that have relapsed because they won't tell anybody, get honest about the medications they're on. I'm not a doctor, but I get to decide who I'm going to sponsor. If you're on a bunch of medications that will change the way you feel, I can decide whether I want to sponsor you or not. But regardless, I need to know what medications you're on. I'm going to say it right now, guys, because I had another friend of mine twist and turn this week. Uh, I am not against medications whatsoever. Uh, I don't particularly like maintenance medications, but I am not a, 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 
antidepressants. I know a lot of people that take them. That's fine. The problem is I want to know that you're taking them so that if I watch you go crazy, I can, that'll be my first line right there is what, what you're doing nuts. If you come off antidepressants after you've been taking them two years and you come off too quick, and it's different for everybody, but if you don't do a slow taper on antidepressants, you will end up in a nut hut. If you're fortunate, you'll end up in an in a sane asylum. You'll end up in a straitjacket. Almost, almost assuredly, you will drink. I, my, my story was I came into the uh, rooms in Alcoholics Anonymous on seven prescription medications. And because of a good sponsor and a fine doctor, I started that first week weaning myself off of these medications. And it, that my story, guys, I'm not saying everybody's got to get off their medications. Don't misquote me out there, please. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying at a certain point, I'm working the steps and I'm starting to feel good for the first time in my life. And it realizes that maybe I don't need those medications for disorders that I didn't actually have. Every one of those medications had horrendous side effects, a lot of them. And uh, most popular antidepressant out there has 152 possible side effects. It's like, oh, oh my gosh. I, I was, it was a cool deal. It took me about six months to finally get off the medications, but I, I, uh, I, was, uh, I was fortunate to be able to do that. And I think... Uh, Good sponsorship can kind of guide you through that. But I'm not one of those sponsors, nor should you be, ever to tell somebody to get off medications. We are not doctors. Please don't do that. You don't, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about when you do that. Just, you can voice your concern if you want. That's fine. I want my guys that I sponsor to be willing to be open-minded about anonymity. Guys, you know, I mentioned before we were talking to some of y'all earlier I am a huge fan of the traditions and I understand anonymity at, at the level of press, radio, and films as the book talks about. Sometimes anonymity at a group level becomes a real problem. And, um, you know, out there in AA land, and I talk to the guys that come to treatment where I work and I'll visit with them and some about that. I think we need to let people know that we're in recovery. Even if you don't want to tell them you're in AA, at least tell folks that you're in recovery. You know, I, 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 I've had a gazillion guys that tell me, well, I don't want to tell people I'm in recovery because when I relapse, then I have to tell them I relapse. Man, go, just go now. You're, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell of staying sober. You've already set yourself up for an ass whipping. Guys, at a certain point in time, what we got to do is we got to, we got to close that door completely. I watch people come to treatment all the time. I watch people come into Alcoholics Anonymous all the time. And they start closing doors and they leave them cracked just a little bit so they can get back through if they need to. That's them hiding behind anonymity. It's what drives me crazy when I'm in my home group and somebody introduces themselves with their last initial. Guys, Dr. Bob talked about it, and I could do a whole hour talk just on that, but he talked about it. You can practice above the tradition or below the tradition. And I understand if you're a woman and you don't want people to know your last name or you're worried or you're witness protection program and you want to do that guys welcome you're perfectly okay but you got to let some people know who you are in the program you can be so anonymous that you you have no chance of staying sober in our room and you're free to disagree but bill wilson wrote about it dr bob wrote about it and uh, we had a guy uh in my home group, one of the guys that, that helped me that night, that sat with me, had a heart attack in the parking lot about six months 
I was, I don't know, eight months sober, I guess I was. And he had a heart attack in the parking lot and they took him down to the hospital. We went down to see him and they wouldn't let us see him because we didn't know his last, last name. Just stupid, just absolutely stupid, you know. At a group level, we weren't supposed to be anonymous. That's what the old timers wrote about. So just, just see, close, close the door all the way, guys. Let some people know you're in recovery and, and, and you're going to be better about it. You, you'll, uh, it's called commitment. Make a commitment that you're going to do this rest of your life, not just one stupid day at a time. Okay. Book is pretty clear. We live life a day at a time. Just, but if you commit that you want to do this the rest of your life, chances are you're going to be able to stay sober the rest of your life. Just give it a shot. I think my guys, I'm going to ask them to do that. I think it's important to break your anonymity, especially with doctors and dentists. I see family members that come and we don't want to, we don't want our son to, to tell people in our, in our social circle that he's in recovery. The kid hadn't got a snowball's chance at hell of staying sober. You set him up for failure. And guys, I got to tell you, the doctors and especially the dentists are some of the worst offenders of prescribing us medication that they shouldn't prescribe us. T tell the doctor that you're in recovery and that there are certain things you can't take. Okay? I'm not, I'm, yeah. My dentist was crazy about it. Like that. He, he, he pulled a little tooth one day and he gave me a prescription for 30 hydrocodone. And I said, buddy, I didn't have a, a, a face transplant. You know, you just, you just pulled a tooth. I says, I'm in recovery, buddy. I don't, I can't take those medications like that. And I says, why don't you prescribe me two, give, give me three hydrocodone and I'll, I'll take one tonight because this is going to hurt like hell and tomorrow we'll get some ibuprofen and we'll be okay. And that's what I've been doing for the last 30 years. Can, can y'all, you walk home with that bottle of 30 hydrocodone, y'all follow? And you take one just like we talked about and the next day you don't need them, but you save them because you're a cheap bastard like me and you put them up in your medicine cabinet, y'all follow? And then about six months from now, I've seen this a million times, and about six months from now, somebody, you'll, yeah, you'll be laying down, tossing and turning and you'll hear this little voice. I'm in the medicine cabinet. <laughs> Nobody will know either. That's the ticket. You want to sleep so bad it's not even funny. And you'll get up and you'll take that hydrocodone and you'll sleep like a baby. But you have opened the door, my friends, and you'll be off to the stupid races. I've seen it a million times. Over-the-counter prescription medication, over-the-counter meds and prescription medications are, are decimating Alcoholics Anonymous. Just, it's amazing to watch and see, folks. Lack of transparency is the, is the problem. You know, y'all can relate to that, right, guys? I'm not saying anything. If Ralph has got to go have surgery, what he does is he tells people, I'm going to be on some pain management stuff for a while. And he tells people he's going to be on these meds, tells people around him, and he's going to be okay. He's going to be all right. It's when they don't talk about it, then that's when we have the shit show. So just, again, uh, try to be transparent, and uh, it'll help you. I want uh, my little guys to be absolutely willing to accept service commitment. Again, at the bottom of page 129, it says in those early days, working with others is what's going to help us stay sober. You know, Doc, uh, Bill Wilson talks about sponsorship. Working with others is the foundation stone of our recovery. And so the, the people that I watch get sober or the people that get active in, in the rooms. Those guys in 1987 saved my life because they, 
because they let me get active. They showed me how to answer the pay phone. Y'all remember you little young turds in there? Y'all remember pay phones? Yeah, back in the day. No. <laughs> They're shaking. No. They, they had me answering the phone in front of the group. And, and it's like, anything I could do to be of service, they got me on that stupid cleanup committee. I mean, it was the bomb, you know? And I just, you wouldn't think that would make a difference, but the old expression in AA, those guys said, you find a job in Alcoholics Anonymous and you'll stay sober. Just, we kill people in AA when we let them sit in their own juices and just, and just percolate. You know, we're not doing them any favor. Get them busy. How many of y'all can relate to that? You're kind of having a bad day and everything's kind of funky and everything's kind of making you kind of cranky like that. You finally get up off the couch and you go in there and you've got a set of dishes and you've got dishes piled out of the sink about 10 feet high and you go, you know what, to heck with it. And you wash those dishes and amazingly you feel better. Y'all go try it. Some of y'all have got dishes in this. Go wash them and see you'll feel better. I'm just saying, try it. That's my experience anyway. That's it's important. Get a service commitment. I want my guys to be accountable in all three parts. That circle triangle that we talked about, Matt's got it up on his screensaver. You can see it. He's got that little circle triangle. The old timers used to get it. If any of y'all want the history of that circle triangle, I've got it on my Dropbox and I can send it to you if you'll, if you'll remind me. But it talks about that circle triangle we got in 19, what, finally, it was in 1957 when it ended up in an in a, in all-conference approved literature. And uh, I carry around a rubber stamp. Some of y'all have got it in your books and we stamp it in the front because that's how guys were for 36 years before we took it out of the book, that's how we were staying in balance in the program. You stay in all three parts, recovery, 12 steps, unity, meetings, service, helping others. You do all three of those things, you'll stay sober the rest of your life. Fact. You drop out of one of those legacies, one of those, you'll fall flat on your butt. I know service, I know, I know circuit speakers that I've spoke with for years. I can name you some names right now and you would know them who relapsed because they got out of Circle Triangle. I had two employees that worked in the, in the facility where I worked recently that had, that, had, that had gotten loaded. These were long time sober people, had stopped being in all three parts of this program. It's not, it's not that complicated. I mean, I got people all the time. You have to work all 12 steps every day. What the fuck? What? I, what? I, I don't, I, nowhere in the book does it say that. I just, come on, guys. Let, let's paint a picture that is not quite that big of a chore. These little newcomers. We're scaring them off. Just stay in all three parts, guys. It's just that simple. I stay current with my work. I do a little 10 step when I step on somebody. I do prayer and meditation sitting at this desk every morning thinking about y'all. That's what I do. And I, and, I, and I go work with some little drunks. Service, yeah. I'm a home group member. I'm in all three parts. It's not any more complicated than that. I, I stamp their little books and I talk to them about staying in all three parts of the program. I'm going to ask the little guys that I sponsor, I'm going to ask them to be willing to learn about the traditions. Folks, I just think it's important. I, you know, I get with them. I've got a shortened version of the tradition so that I'm, I'm not going to wear them out. Uh, Bill Wilson wrote some of the best articles for the grapevine and uh, some editorials that he wrote about the traditions. I can send them to you guys. I can bog your inbox down with them. There's some really good stuff. It's amazing to me how many people have been sober a long time in Alcoholics Anonymous and still don't know the traditions. 
and I'm not pointing any fingers because I don't understand their concepts. It's, it's, I should. It's a part of what we do. Guys, but I, I'll just throw that out there to you. But the traditions will help you from getting in trouble out there and uh, help you get along with the guys uh, sitting around you. So I, I think it's important. Guys that I sit with early on, I'm going to do this thing with them with a newcomer, especially with the newcomers. I'm going to talk to them in this little thing called meeting etiquette. We could talk a little time about that. A lot of y'all nodding your heads, but guys, I, let me, when I started riding bicycles, I'm a, I'm a little I'm a competitive cyclist and I, uh, I suffered from low-grade depression all my life, folks, and it, it, it left in a, in, a, in a twinkle when I started riding a bike. And uh, just that, that, that grind and exercise was, was something spectacular. I'm talentless at it. I'll never be that competitive, but, but I ride with a bunch of knuckleheads that, that'll, that'll push me, and it's just something I look forward to. But when I first went out, I didn't understand the etiquette of what we were doing on the cycles, what we were doing on the bicycles, what to dress, and I had a doctor one time, the first group ride I ever went on, and this doctor that worked local, and he's still out there, he's a friend of mine, and he pulled me across to the side, he pulled me away from everybody so nobody could hear what, I was, what that we were talking about, and he said, Chris, are you wearing underwear uh, on the, under those shorts? And I said, yes, sir. Uh, most uh, respects, respectful, uh, uh, you know, responsible adults uh, don't go commando. You know, we wear, we wear underwear. And he said, yeah, but you can't wear those shorts because you'll get chat. You'll get, you'll get road rash like a mother. Take, go in there and take them off. Just don't say anything. Just take them off. You'll be okay. You got padding. Nobody can see through your, your junk is safe. Just, just, okay. And we were laughing and I went in the bathroom and I changed my pants and I came back out. He didn't embarrass me. Hey, look at the little one-eyed guy. Look what he's doing. He didn't, he didn't embarrass me, but he, he explained what I needed to do to not look stupid. You got it? Some of them are sitting in there. What the, what's he talking about? Okay. It's the same in Alcoholics Anonymous. I need to tell the little newcomers sometimes what's acceptable in Alcoholics Anonymous and what's not acceptable. Meeting etiquette, about crosstalk, about being in the right rooms, about introducing yourself with more than one illness in an AA meeting. It's pointless. Don't. It's not necessary. You know, in AA, I introduced myself as an alcoholic. In Drug Addicts Anonymous, I introduced myself as a drug addict. Y'all follow? Yeah. <laughs> back in the 70s, back in the 80s when I got sober, treatment centers were grinding them out by the thousands. We, they could get extra money if you, if you had another fatal illness. And these little guys would come out of treatment and they'd introduce themselves. Well, fine. My name is Johnny and I'm an alcoholic and an addict and a sex addict and an overeater and a gambler and there was one more hmm. you know and it's like and these little guys would come up after and says i don't know why nobody wants to go have lunch with me i said because you're goofy <laughs> what nobody cares that you have these other things going on in aa all we care about is are you an alcoholic anyway you talk to him and you talk to him about respect thanking the chairperson y'all contributing Seventh step. Come on, guys, it's important. Let me mention this real quick because I'm watching the clock closer than y'all. I don't have my little new guys contribute because we need the money at the group. We do, AA as a whole. There's only 40% of all the groups out there in AA. If 
is, you know, we're not, I, I want my guys, especially the little new ones that are in halfway houses, lazy young guy, I want them contributing for them. Guys, it's spiritual. You put some money back out there in the universe and I guarantee you money will come back at you. And the only people in this hundred people in this room that are not rolling their eyes are the people that haven't done it. The Christians had it figured out for years. It's called tithing. It's not your money anyway. It's God's money. I tip to a fault. When we got Derek came to San Antonio with, with his father, and we we all went to lunch and you know dinner, and we all tipped, you know, like that. And I remember the conversation. Somebody leaned over. I think it was your dad that leaned over and says, "God dang it, service was good, but it wasn't that good." And he, and he said, "No, no, no. This has got nothing to do with the service. I tip lots because I can." Y'all, when I stopped squeaking, holding on to every penny I had like this, like it's mine, and I start realizing and you put it back out in the end, I started making some money. I, I started doing good. Homeless guys, I'm, I'm, I'm giving them money. Dropping the money in the basket. I, I do it because I, I can. And I want those little new guys that are living from paycheck to paycheck to realize that it doesn't have to always be like that. And some of y'all haven't tried it. Try it. I promise you, it'll, it'll, it'll work. I talk to my guys pretty clear about it. One of the things that I talk to them about, guys, real quick is cussing. God dang it. Sometimes we do it. Y'all listen to some of those old talks that I used to do. I cuss like a sailor. And it was okay. There was a nice old lady come up one night. And she said, Chris, I bet you said some really good stuff. But I didn't hear anything you said because you kept dropping the F-bomb every 20 seconds. The 18-year-olds love me. Y'all follow? I was... I was a stud, you know, and I got real offended for a second, you know, and uh, tried to get really defensive, you know, it's my story, you know, blah, 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 you know, and I found the lady two days later, I tracked her down, she was in a town close to me, and I tracked her down, and I thanked her for telling me that, and I've gone out of my way not to do that too much from the podium anymore. Problem is, we got a lot of you little young Turks out there that are good from the podium. I listened to you share in a meeting, and I said, buddy, you don't want to hear me talk anymore. You, buddy, you're, you're good as can be. But nobody's ever going to ask you to talk because you can't stop dropping the F-bomb every other word. I'm just yeah, I just throw it out there for the little newcomer, guys. It's one way they can get active, but it's AA etiquette. I'm also doing talk to him again about dressing. You remember I talked about that little guy who was chairing a meeting with a little short cutoffs and stuff? Come on, guys. We've got to remember that we're kind of an example of what Alcoholics Anonymous is about. When I speak from the podium, you know, I may be wearing tennis shoes with this sleep coat, you know, but I'm, you know, but I'm going to try to present. Dr. Bob said, carry the message, and if you must, use words. So I'm always thinking when I go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, AA meeting, I'm, my heart kind of goes out to that nice little lady that's sitting in the front row uh, with a court paper she's got to get signed. And she's got her $600 Louboutin bag sitting in her lap. You'll follow. And I'm looking around the room and we're all dressed like bumps. It's like, this lady ain't ever coming back. I'm not saying we got to get dressed up to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, folks. I'm just saying put some clothes on. If you're walking into a meeting and every head in the place is looking at you when you walk in, it's not your beauty that they're looking at. I'll throw that out there. <laughs> it's tough being a, you know, like a, a sex object. That's me, so I'm. Just, just try to be good, okay? That's it. 
one of the things I'm going to ask my guys to do always uh, is uh, be conscious with this uh, exercise and health. Uh, Bill Wilson in the big book talks about it, but I'm going to push it a little extra. Uh, I can't tell you how many guys I sponsor that have struggled like I did with uh, depression some big D depression, some little D depression, you know, and it's, it's, it, a lot of it can be treated medically. It was for some folks, it needs to be. And so for some, it's like we've gotten into a place in our later years of alcoholism, very sedentary guys. My drinking at the end was all by myself in a little apartment. And I, the ex, only exercise I got all day long was walking up a flight of stairs to that little apartment. I mean, there was no exercise in my life whatsoever. You will not flourish physically unless you get up and move. I'm not saying you got to go join the gym, but you could. But a lot of us, if we'll start moving a little bit, it gets the heart rate up. You know, the respiration gets a little, little, little push. Uh, I mean, everything that happens, blood pressure drops, cholesterol levels start to taper off. And it's like, guys, nobody wants to stay sober when they feel like crap all the time. Vitamins are important. Just Vitamin B that we were talking about, Kitty, earlier. I mean, God, the, Bill Wilson was doing the research on it from the 40s on, you know, and everybody laughs about it. They're finding scientific evidence right now that shows that it absolutely helps a whole bunch of people. There's a whole bunch of people out there that are benefiting from niacin. Vitamin B, methylated vitamin B complex. You can get it at Walmart. But a lot of people that don't... Uh, respond to antidepressants very well uh, are responding to vitamin B complex. Just a thought. You don't have to do the dosage that Bill was doing. Bill was doing huge mega doses. It's not necessary. Just check it and see. There's a blood test you can take. Uh, insurance companies uh, sometimes won't pay for it now, but you can take it and it'll let you know your, your B levels in your body. So uh, uh, that may be something that some of you want to look at. Uh, Couple more, the real quick um, guys that I'm sponsoring. I kind of explained to them real quick that I am not a life coach. That there are professionals out there that can do that. I am not uh, out there to try to get them to do certain things. Uh, again, I know that dictatorial sponsor. You can't you can't date for the first year. You can't do this. You can't do that. Guys, nowhere in the book does it tell us a bunch of things we can't do. What it tells us is a bunch of things we can do. And it talks about re-entering the mainstream of life. And uh, I mentioned it there was, when it came time for me to, to uh, I wanted to start a little business, guys. I was working in, in, uh, at the binder with my twin brother, and he said, Chris, if you want to start that little screen print business, you can. I'll give you some spot on the, on the, on the shop floor. But, uh, and I started researching it. I found this little school that would take me, and the state of Texas would pay for the classes. And, you know, I'm just so blessed that, guys, I started this little business. I had it for two years. It didn't make any money. Um, and I loved it. I just loved it. I'd stay up half the night working on a little piece of artwork and oh, this is going to be, look at this t-shirt I did. I've still got one. I did back all those years. It just, just everybody needs a little creative outlet. And I'm so blessed that I didn't have a bunch of men and women around me telling me what I couldn't do. Guys, nothing out there can get me drunk. No triggers are going to get me drunk. Triggers a horse. He's dead. Let's move on. God. No girl is going to get me drunk. If I'm working the steps and I have a problem with a girl, I'm going to hurt like a son of a gun. We're going to break up and I'm going to go find another or become a monk. But either way, I'm not going to get drunk. Y'all got it? I mean, at the end of the day, AA is the answer for a lot of this stuff.
Everybody wants to kind of organize their little life until it's just perfect so I can stay sober. Guys, sometimes it's not going to be perfect. Sometimes we've got to walk through some really crappy days to get to the other side. And we can do that as long as we're staying in all three parts of the program. I'm just saying I'm not there to, to life coach them. I'm just, I'm just not. If I see them doing something stupid, I can share my experience. You're getting pretty close to the cliff, buddy. Be careful. But I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. It makes us look stupid, especially that stuff about not dating. It makes us look like a cult. You can't date. You got to do. You can't do. Quit. Everybody's different. A lot of people can do it. It's just perfectly okay. One of the things I ask my little guys to do, guys, is uh, learn about the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's amazing. Ask ourselves the questions real quick. I'll wrap this up. Uh, when I got sober, these old guys would say, "What are you reading?" And I said, well, I'm reading the big book. He said, yeah, I know. We see that. What, what are the other things that you're reading? We had a little library over there. I got to be literature chairman. They lied. So, I mean, the first six months when I was literature chairman of that group. But all the little old conference-approved literature books, there's some great ones out there that are not conference-approved, guys. I can give you, I mean, there's a bunch of good ones. But, but some of this conference, Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, and Language of the Heart, is such a good book. God dang it. You know, there's everything that they came to believe. For any of you little knuckleheads out there that are kind of pushing back from God, that's some of the, one of the best little books. It's a short read. They published it in the early 70s, the same time they published uh, Living Sober. It's the only book AAA published that I, 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 can't talk, I can't talk about it. I hate that book. But it, it paints a picture that we're a, a self-help book. A lot of hand. Okay. Yeah. Ross Melanson and I, Ross and I use it as a, as a coffee coaster. You know, we set our coffee on it, but it's, it's, yeah. But all the, a lot of this other stuff, but I'm talking to a bunch of, bunch of little young Turks I'm sponsoring the other day, and I'm asking them the questions. I says, have you ever read uh, As Bill Sees It? You know, have you ever read Came to Believe? Have you ever read it? They haven't read any of these books. It's like somewhere along the line in our, in our, in our, in our growth, we kind of stopped referring the newcomers to some of this literature. It's, and it's just some really good literature. Man, some of y'all, if y'all find out the history of our fellowship, you'll be blown away how God was all over how we came about. And I just think it just enhances your program to realize that you're a part of what we're doing. And uh, I encourage the little guys that I sponsor to absolutely get in there and start, uh, start reading some of, the, uh, some of the literature that we're talking about. It's, uh, it'll help them. I got to mention this real quick and then we'll open it up for some questions. Uh, guys, the guys that I work with, I'm getting them through the work in a few weeks. If, if in 30 days we're not making amends and looking for a sponsee, there's a problem. Again, I don't have time to babysit them. Uh, so what I want them to do is get connected spiritually so they can get on with this work. Uh, Bill Wilson says we practice the disciplines of 10, 11, and 12, you know, while we clean up the wreckage of our past. It's not like I got to get all of my amends made and then I'm going to go to 10. I start 10 day one, 11 day one, and working with others, service work day one of coming back into the rooms. That's At least that's what my book is trying to tell me. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky I come from a lineage. They go straight back to Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob. Uh, I'm about eight removed. And uh, they all share the same thing. If you listen to their talks, they all talk about the same thing. Uh, get your feet on the ground uh, and uh, start helping some others. Here's what we're battling, though, folks. 
32 years ago, the old timers told me what I needed to do was awaken spiritually. And that what I did every day when I did prayer and meditation was try to reconnect with a higher power. 33 years later, 32 years later, no fronts, not quite there yet. 32 years later, I'm still, I'm still trying to stay spiritually awake. How many of y'all can relate bebopping down the road and you're sober a long time and all of a sudden you realize that you're just disconnected? I mean, in this world, all you've got to do is turn on the news and immediately just go like, what the hell is happening in this world? We may not agree with everything politically, but, but what happened to the love? Why is, why is all this hate? Let me tell you what it is, guys. At the bottom of all this rioting and all this shooting people and all this stuff that's going on out there, and I'm not here to talk about any of that, is fear. This virus stuff, guys, I got to tell you, fear. And fear separates me from the power of God. It separates me from the guidance that I've been getting on a daily basis. What am I going to talk about in the big book with the guys today? What am I going to, what am I going to do with my sponsors? Guys, that just, I get guidance on it about my health, about my finances. There's so much I do. This is not about not drinking one stupid day at a time. This is about living life a day at a time. And if I'll stay connected, I just have a much easier day of it. But the spiritual warfare in my head when I first got sober was, I'm not sober long enough to help anybody. I said this a thousand times, I can't even help myself. How can I help anyone else? You'll follow? That stuff right there is what kills alcoholics. And it can be, it can be validated by a lot of well-meaning people in Alcoholics Anonymous that, that, that should know better than to, to, to encourage that. It's by thinking about you that I get better. It's when I sit alone in my own juices that I start getting sick. So the deal is to, it's not an option for the newcomer to go work with others. It's our job as sponsors to go push them to try to get them excited. Somebody comes and asks me to sponsor. I've already got a couple in there. I said, buddy, I can't sponsor you. But that little guy over there, he's three months sober and he is a, he is a big book thumping fool. And I get them connected and now they're over there in the corner with a highlighter, you know, talking, talking big book, man, it'll change your life to watch that. You get to carry the message on to the next person and that person carries it on to the next person. I'm going to end my little segment with this right here. Bill Wilson, excuse me, William James, Bill Wilson was a big fan. William James, uh, the, the guy that wrote Varieties of the Religious Experience, if you ever read any of his writings, he's phenomenal. It's complicated, but phenomenal. It's like reading Nietzsche. It's just amazing, but it's difficult read. He says, act as if what you do makes a difference. Why? Because it does. You think about it, guys. Think about all the people that have been affected because you're not drinking one day at a time. Holy moly. You've got people in your life you don't even know that were affected because you're staying sober today. Get, it, get, get your little mind away from all this other negative stuff and start thinking about the positive stuff. You are absolutely changing the world. People in this group, hang in there, guys. Thank you so much for letting me share.